You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. Back in 82, when the Cowboys were strong, I used to play flag football all day long. That is a band called 10 Yard Fight, great straight edge band from the great city of Boston. They started as a joke, uh, doing things only about football. And, uh, you know, I'm back in my numerology game. You say 82, I sing that song. But I am, uh, you know, joining us from uh, the great state of Colorado, as well as the great state of confusion. Um, Real quick, sorry we missed uh, an episode this past week, but even guys like me and Blasco deserve a break. Yes. Every once in a while. Every once in a while. Uh, In the last episode, we chatted about getting featured on music blogs. That was a really great episode, so check it out if you haven't already. Today's episode is sponsored by our buddies at rockabilia.com. Go check them out for the awesomest collection of officially licensed band merch on the planet. Use our code PCJabberJaw and get 15% off your entire order. You know, I, uh, I'm on a road trip at the moment, and I'm in Colorado, drove out from D.C., and this doesn't exactly deal with rockabilia, but I went through Lawrence, Kansas, and there's a company called Merch Table. I'm familiar with them because they were sponsoring uh, The Future of What, which was one of the podcasts that was on the network until you know sometime this year. And I went and stopped by, and they gave me a couple of shirts, and their quality is fantastic, and it sounds like we might be doing some some more stuff with them. But you know, the nice thing is, it it just feels kind of cool to get a new shirt, you know. And that's what I like about Rockabilia. It's that you know I can go there, look at over five hundred thousand items of stuff, you know, and they've got more than shirts. They've got all kinds of accessories. They've got all the cloth that you'd want. And the best thing, you know, is they're supporting us as a podcast they're supporting our network which you know that allows us to continue to do this each and every week for free for all of you so you know support those who support us if you enjoy this show please tell a friend if you guys are looking for merch just go over rockabilia.com pc jabberjaw is the code tell them blasco and mike sent you this week we talk about booking agents this is going to be killer so let's get mental yeah boy uh, so, Mike, um, we've had a uh, loyal listener write in. He had some questions about booking agents. His name is Nick. And uh, 
very happy that uh, he contributed to today's episode. And as always, anyone listening, please feel free to write in. This is good for us to do so we know what you guys want us to talk about. So um, he kicks it off with what's up, Blasco and Mike. Big fan of the podcast and what you do. My band is currently in a situation that I haven't heard you and Mike talk about yet. I'm in a band that has been signed for about four years. We've put out an EP and a full length, done several national tours with bigger acts, as well as many smaller tours across the states. Recently, we had to fire our booking agent because, for lack of a better term, he completely ghosted us. No letter of resignation, no emails, nothing. He just stopped answering our manager's calls and emails one day. We've tried. Let's just pause right there. Yep. Right there. That is the most frustrating part of things in the business. And I can empathize with this dude. It's like I've had people ghost on me, not just agents. I've had publicists ghost on me, merchandise representatives. And if you're out there in a band or as an aspiring professional, I think Blasco and I can both agree you owe it to the business to not ghost on people. You absolutely, how simple is it to say, hey guys, this just isn't working out. I think you need to find somebody else. It's just such an, I mean, and I have turned people off from working with with artists because they can't have their professional courtesy to man up or woman up or person up to do the simple thing of, hey, it just isn't working out. I just had to pause there because that to me really strikes a chord. Yeah, I mean, I think, feel like in general that the state of where we are as far as communicating with one another, um, ghosting as a bad habit or even just, look, I mean, we're all busy, right? And it's tough to get to every email because we all, I think we all sort of expect sort of immediate answers to things. You know, it's like, you know, we don't understand what the where the other person at is in life, right? In terms of where they are, in terms of how busy they are, right? So when I blast something out, I'm expecting a response, and sometimes it takes a little while. And even you know, uh, on my end, like I can't always get to emails or texts right away, right? I mean, if I'm busy, if I'm on a plane, if you know, whatever it is, sometimes I'm just buried in stuff and it takes me sometimes a day or two to to you know get back to somebody so you know um anyway my my point here is is that it's um it's very frustrating to not get replies especially someone's that you're working with i think it's one thing whenever you're sort of blindly reaching out to someone that you've never talked before and you not and not get a response i mean i think that that's kind of a drag um but you know you, you never know the situation but for someone that you're working with you know it's a, it's it's a bummer and that's a great point and look you know i can appreciate i think we all can you know again not to harp on i mean one of the things blasco and i'll teach you is you know, when you quote unquote mess up or when something happens, pointing it out is actually the last thing you want to do. That said, we have a great relationship with you guys, our listeners. Um, you know, I've been dealing with some personal stuff and we had to miss last week's recording. And, you know, we tried to communicate that to, to you guys as best as we could via our socials. Um, and that happens. That said, you know, so much of it is when you are working with somebody like Blasco says, they're just 
I think there's just an underlying uh, understanding that that we have as professionals. Now that said, and I'm sure we'll dig into this a little, a little bit more. Is look, everybody does communicate differently. You know, Blasco and I are are both over forty. We came from a world where, you know, uh, we you know it's like we communicate differently than many of the people in their twenties. Uh, email. We're in front of a computer or on our phones, whether we're on a plane or in a hotel room. You know, we really are in that space. Now, that said, I mean, many of my artists, I I always say I have to meet them where they are, you know, and, and if I want to train them to go to email, I have to do so. But if they're, in, you know, if their place where they communicate is Instagram, Messenger, DM, I have until I can establish the expectation and bring them to the place where it's easiest for us to have a professional role of communication. If I want that relationship, I might have to go in and, and I am people on a, or DM people on Instagram. But so my point is, I think Blasco is absolutely right. Things, you know, do happen where you can't communicate. But part of that is sometimes even communicating that you can't communicate out of office email, you know, automatic text responder. Hey, I'll get back to you when I'm able to. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my my gut take on all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, look it, it, to to simplify at this point in the you know in the email um, is that if he's if he ghosted you if he's not responding and you've had a, a working relationship then he's just not at a professional level that you should be working with a guy like this anyway. Unless, of course, for some reason, he just disappeared off the face of the planet, got abducted by aliens, got run over by a train, got struck by lightning, something out of his control. But on a professional level, if he's just ignoring you because of whatever reason, then he's probably not someone you want to be working with anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, last thing I'll say is, you know, and I always try to put myself back in the 18 year old, you know, version of myself shoes, the 22 year old, the 28 year old, the 33 year old, whatever. You can add all the numbers up and remember that I didn't always know what I know now. Right. And so much of it is I have found that people in the music business, most of us are deathly afraid of confrontation as well as letting people down. And so it's a protection mechanism oftentimes to ghost because you don't have to have that awkward like, hey, man, it just didn't work out because you're, you know, inevitably, I think most of the people that even the ones who ghost on people are good people. Right. And so they're just fearful that, you know, they're going to let somebody down. They're going to have to have a confrontation. And so trying to empathize with maybe that perspective has gone a long way for me to be able to have what are inevitably really hard conversations. You know, I remember yeah. the first time I had to fire a booking agent, you know, a dear friend. And it was, you know, as a manager, look, you know, we don't, we, we advise our artists, but we don't get to control them with absolute, you know, authoritative powers. And, you know, I, I didn't want to fire my friend, but inevitably I did. And that was where I really had to, I didn't want to, that confrontation was so painful, but you know what? I did it. I got through it. And frankly, our relationship was better for it because she, at this point, it was a, a woman who's no longer booking, but she respected that I could come to her and have that very honest conversation. Yeah. So. Anyway, he continues. So given that we aren't the type to wait around for things to happen, which I commend, by the way. We got back on the DIY booking grind. 
In return, we've been able to book ourselves at better venues and get better deals for the band than when we had an agent, leaving me to ponder why we should even look for another agent in the first place. So my question. Wow, I like this. This is good. So my questions are as follows. Number one. What are the pros of even having a booking agent in an age where young bands can get it all done themselves? Uh, you know, this is what I'll say. And I think Blasco, you'll agree, but I'm, I'm anxious to hear what you say. You know, so much of the biz on this, on the, on the developmental level. And even though this guy does have, you know, it looks like they've got, you know, they put out an EP, a full length. They've done several national tours with bigger acts and smaller tours. Inevitably, sounds like they're still a developing artist, right? Yeah. Uh, further along than many, but not in the place where, you know, because he's even asking the question, it sounds like they're not in the right place or not. I don't want to say the right place, but not in, you know, a, a place where they still really need to be doing work themselves. And I think that's part of the ultimate fallacy is oftentimes artists think, cool, I've got an agent or I've got a manager, or I've got a record label or publicist. You insert the professional role here and think, well, that person's supposed to just do everything. Inevitably, I think we'd both agree that our best relationships are with the artists who are still doing either what they were great at to begin with or what we as a team have advised and, and you know, laid out for them. And that allows the professional who's in whatever role to uh, add value, as we've talked about many times. So to me, guys, on the DIY level, frankly, a lot of booking agents, the best ones, it's not an efficient use of their time to be grinding with local promoters and finding you house shows or, you know, small scale shows. It's not to say you don't need it, but yeah, if you're doing that DIY, absolutely. What a good booking agent does is they're really looking out to the broader industry and it is a fine line, but you know, if you've got a great booking agent, they're the ones who are talking to national promoters. They're the ones who are talking to other agents, other managers, all of the above. And so, you know, I have seen in this day and age, almost like a hybrid where I've had agents say, look, if you want to do a show in your hometown, do the legwork. But when it comes time to finish the deal or, you know, once you've determined the date and you're talking to the promoter, absolutely bring me in. And that way there is that professional level. You guys are able to separate a little bit from, you know, that friendly relationship with somebody in your local or regional scene and the agent can build upon that. You know, how many times have I had an artist, especially me who focuses on a lot of developmental stuff where they'll do something locally and I never get any info about it. I don't know how many people paid. I don't know how much merch was sold. And it's that if I don't have that information, I can't talk about it. If I got an artist who plays locally and sells 150 tickets and does two grand in merch, Blasco, the next time I call you, I say, hey, this band did X, Y, and Z. And you're saying, whoa, that's pretty damn good. But if I don't have the information, I can't have that conversation. So to me, it's a fine line, but really what you want an agent for. And it does, it's, you know, it makes sense to be patient for the right one. You want them, if your goal is broader, bigger, more, if you know, uh, frequent opportunities, you want that person to advocate for you on the industry level. Yeah. I mean, look, if the question is, 
what are the pros of even having a booking agent in an age where young bands could get it all done themselves? My easy answer is there are no pros. If you're a band that has the guts and the wherewithal to to get it done yourself, I, I, I feel like so many bands don't conceptually understand that you can do it yourself. And the only time that you need a label or a booking agent or a manager is whenever you've maxed out what you can do on your own. But so much I find that 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 bands are looking for these people prematurely in that we think that we hold the key to something much bigger for them. And the reality is that's not true in this day and age. So I commend these guys for really acknowledging the fact that they can do it all and that they really didn't need an agent at this stage of the game and they're doing better without it. So I, I don't think that there is personally a need for them at this stage of the game because they're not throwing up the white flag and just being like, man, we really are having difficulties booking more than 10 shows in a row because we just don't have that time to to coordinate a promoter to find us the right city so that we can get from point A to point B uh, productively without having super long drives and losing money. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, a great booking agent is worth their weight in gold. I mean, they are experts. And, the you know, the challenge is there are a lot of young booking agents who sadly, I mean, you know, it used to be you hear the stories of William Morris or CAA. You start in the mailroom and you work your way up. Nowadays, I mean, much like every other profession, managers, even bands themselves, you know, agents, uh, you know, uh, labels, publicists, there's no barrier to entry. You just start. And therefore we we end up with usually well-meaning people that are a little out of their league and so that's what i'm seeing in a lot of young agents is it's not as if they mean to do what i would call a bad job or ghost on people it's that they frankly just haven't been taught the the right way to do it they come in well-intentioned they're fans of music they might be musicians themselves they want to help out and again this doesn't just apply to agents it applies across the board but they just haven't learned because we don't have a system to train people part of what blasco and i are trying to do is at least facilitate a, a platform for people to understand this and educate themselves but you know, there is no agent school to my knowledge. And even some of the bigger, smaller agent, uh, you know, bigger, uh, lower tier agencies, which that isn't meant in an insulting capacity, but they just don't know how to train people um, because some of them haven't ever worked for a proper agency. So it's a very delicate balance. But I think, you know, what I love about doing this podcast with you, Blasco, is you really reinforce do it. You're doing it yourself is not bad, people. It's actually good. <laughs> and so if you do it yourself and you do it well, that's when you're going to get an agent because they come knocking. When you're out there going door to door soliciting, you know, you're going to see that sign like you do on people's houses. No solicitation. And so do it yourself. And so somebody's coming to you. I think that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, let's look under the hood here for a second. Right. I mean, you are entitled to a booking agent whenever you are worth money and you're worth money whenever you sell tickets. A booking agent makes percentage off of what you make, 10%. So if you make $100 a night, he gets, or if your guarantee is $100, he gets $10. 
that may or may not be that sexy to an agent and especially not a bigger one because it takes a lot of time to book a tour, right? So at the point to where you're making $500 a night, you know, he's making 50 at the point to where you're making $1,000 a night, $1,000 a night, he's making $100. There's probably different levels of threshold here, but understand that uh, that a booking agent that isn't making any money probably isn't very motivated to work with your band. And so you got to build it up to the point to where you are worth $500 a night, $1,000 a night. And then an agent will more, you'll have more of an option to find an agent that can actually do a good job because they're making some money off of what you're making and potentially they can help increase that. But you need to build it up. You know, let's break it down into some terms everyone can relate to. It's, you know, it's like dating, right? If you might be a little bit overweight or, you know, you don't dress as well as you'd like, or, you know, you don't have the right haircut and you're working towards those things, do the work to get there before going and trying to ask the pretty girl or boy out. You know, it's like you. And and so I can so many bands, they see where they want to be and they think that the agent is going to bring them to that level. It's like, no, dude, you can go on a diet. You can do the exercise. You can get a job until you can buy some new clothes. You can figure out how to afford the right hairstylist to get the right haircut. And once you've done that, your job of finding the right partner or person to date or even sleep with becomes so much easier. That's really as simple as it gets in my mind. Yep. Uh, Nick continues, question number two, if it is decided that we should seek out a new agent, what are some things we should look for? Connects, passion for the band, et cetera. Anything in this business, you want both, you know, and it is a, a delicate balance. And I think you should be asking, yeah, what other things should you look for? Um, connects, meaning their relationships. How are their relationships with not only uh, others in the industry, but artists themselves, right? You have to find someone who's not only passionate about your band, but kind of speaks your language. If you're really needy, you know, you need somebody that's willing to be patient with quote unquote, your neediness, right? If you're very hands off, you might need somebody that's going to, you know, call you and say, Hey, you know, what's going on? Um, But connections, of course, are, are paramount to any relationship in this business, but you know, passion for the band is paramount as well. I don't know if you've ever done this Blasco, but I have had agents where I've had relationships where I've said, I really need a favor. And even though they weren't feeling the band, my thought was the band would do well. They'd grow, you know, the money would start to flow and the agent would grow into it. And it backfired every single time you know, because they don't have the passion. Yes, they have the connections, but look, like most good people in this business, all of us are busy and we might have connections, but if we're not passionate about what you're doing, you're dead in the water. So that would be my my take on that. Yeah, I mean, I would add to this that you want to find someone that understands how to build what it is that you're doing, how to put you in front of not just an audience, but the right audience that knows that has a plan that kind of knows what where what you should be doing and when you should be doing it you know just booking a tour and just playing in front of people or isn't necessarily the right answer right so so i think connections are obviously important and passion is obviously important but 
knowing what's right, because that's really the difference, right? Like of why you actually need an agent. Let's just say you've built it up to the point to where you're worth money, right? Even even us or whatever that have bands that are worth money, like I, I, I'm not going to give it to an agent that I don't feel is right. Now I'll give you a case in point. I have a client that is that I'm now shopping for a new European agent, right? And I'm meeting with guys and this client is worth money and these agents are all legitimate agents, right? But I'm trying to put this client in front of a different audience. I'm trying to get them more into the the rock and alternative types of lifestyle festivals and you know support slots and whatever and I've met with agents that are more metal leaning and that isn't that doesn't seem like a good fit to me right like I'm I'm looking for something more along the lines of what I think could be advantageous to the client and stuff so so you know these are the kind of things you need to think about too like on a bigger level and to go back to the first question of like you know do we need an agent yeah it's like you don't need an agent to need an agent, but you do need the right agent when the time is right. I mean, and the the other thing I'll say is I think so many people look at, okay, what is their roster? You know, and of course that's helpful. If somebody, you know, books a band that you think you could become eventually, that's fantastic. If somebody books Slayer and they're interested in you, that's awesome. But please understand, no matter where you are, especially even this guy with an EP and an album out and national tours, you're so far from Slayer that, you know, uh, though it's great that this guy has that perspective and you can respect him because of the work that he or she has done, I suggest you take someone who's got a client that's one or two steps further than where you are and really identify how did they get them to there? Because once you get to that point, moving off is much, much easier. Um, And the other thing I'll say is, you know, you really got to have conversations. It's nice to have options. Of course, you know, that can be hard to do, but just like Blasco's saying, you know, I have a client where a year or two ago, we um, interviewed, you know, people for a representation in North America. And frankly, the dude who was the most passionate, who has a great roster, when we did the phone call, he blew it. And the guy who I didn't think was going to actually, you know, I didn't think his roster or his agency was going to be worthwhile. He killed the call. His strategy, the way he identified things and added value made the world a difference and we've come in and no he's not the most connected he's not going to be able to get us on the biggest festivals in the world that said what we need is somebody who's passionate and strategic so i always encourage you know you gotta look at multiple things of course roster is important like blasco's saying you know his client may have the lock or may have had tons of experience in the metal world he needs somebody that can branch out All of that said, he and I both know if the band itself can't deliver the material that belongs in front of more alternative crowds, no agent is going to be able to get them there for long term. They might get the first opportunity. And if the artist can't connect, they may not have another opportunity. Yeah. And let's peel back the curtain for a second to understand that as a younger up and coming band, you may think that touring with some big major band is going to be a step in the right direction, but understand that 
because you hire an agent that has this big band that you're a fan of, that big band isn't going to take you on tour because their agent says so. That big band will take whoever they want to on tour, and it's usually their friends. In the event that it comes down to a business move where we need so-and-so band because we want to package this up so that the value of the tour package is worth more tickets, then you have to be worth tickets to be considered to be in that slot. But by and large, because your agent books a bigger band does not by default mean that you're going to get to tour with that bigger band. Yep. Uh, final number three, how can we know that our agent is pulling their weight and kicking ass for the band? I mean, make it rain dog, you know, just show up with a stack of hundos and just start, <laughs> you know, throwing them all over you. Um, joking aside, you know, opportunities are the ones that, that will allow you to know that and really effective communication. Um, you know, do understand that like, and I, and I go through this a lot since I deal with developing artists, it's, you know, the best people in the biz are typically the busiest. And while you have one band to focus on, sometimes looking and knocking on the agent's door for a quote unquote update every fucking two seconds isn't really going to help them. It might actually turn them off. And so what you'll know is one is their regular check-ins, right? You should be able to establish a, a, a protocol for communication. Do you have a weekly call? That might be too much. Every other week, that might be too much. Once a month, right? How are you communicating via email? You know, one of the things that I've gone through for my bands that either have an agent or ones who don't is I don't have time to go uncover every local show opportunity that exists, right? So oftentimes I've had some of my bands say, hey, look, X band is is touring. We see that they're playing in this market. We draw 100 kids. It's our hometown market. They don't have an opener. You know, can you inquire? And I may know the agent for the band, I may know the manager, and I may know the promoter, or I may know all three. That is a very good way of helping you help yourselves. I would never have the time to figure out who's playing and who needs a local or who needs a, you know, a, a national band that that it has a following in a in a local market. That would, I mean, that's just not an effective use of my time. That said, once it's brought up to me in the, you know, communication pattern that we've established, I can make that phone call or send that email within two seconds and get a quick yes or no. So it's really about communication and then understanding that nothing happens overnight. In fact, when I take a band on for management, I tell them, if you expect anything in the first six months, you should probably go elsewhere doesn't mean that things won't happen, but you know, so much on the national level is being put together at least six months in advance, if not more. So if I came on today, you know, I'm not going to make an uh, impact on a touring front or, you know, a release front until the new year. So you got to be patient and understand that, you know, again, many bands have time to focus on themselves. And so what I think I suggest, and you probably echo it, Blasco is, uh, you know, it's, it's, Control what you can control. Continue to do the work. Focus on your content. Focus on your socials. Focus on your image, your music, all of the above. And just understand that there's a, you know, a, a uh, communication um, 
you know, uh, platform or, or, you know, protocol that, that will work for both of you. And even that takes time to develop. Yep. Uh, that concludes episode 82. Thank you for tuning in and thank you, Nick, for writing in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? You guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mike O'Loop. Uh, I do want to give a quick shout out to a new show on the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network, Smart Punks. Uh, the lead-in is one that we've developed. It's uh, approximately five-minute news show uh, three times a week. Please check that out. You can find out more about it at jabberjawmedia.com. Uh, while you're over there, please rate and review that show, any of the others. And, of course, Managemental, that would be wonderful. Uh, Rockabilia. Dot com is your place to go for all things merchandise. PC Jabberjaw for 15% off. While you're over there, please sell in Blasco and Mike sent you. And the last and final thing, Outer Loop Coaching is your place to take your career to another level. Um, dig in there, see what kind of stuff we've got. And please, by all means, continue to support the show. Spread this show via word of mouth. Uh, we can't thank you enough. I'm just honored that I get to spend, you know, 45 minutes to an hour discussing these types of things with Blasco and that you guys are listening. So um, until next week, uh, thanks much. Thanks, everybody. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.